Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett Welcome everyone to a Christmas in July episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I am Dan Teets, and with me, as always... Oh, Kyra Hawkins. <laughs> I guess that's my shtick, just come in late act surprised. Hey, it, ma- it makes for interesting listening, because we right. never know when it's going to happen. That's debatable, I guess. <laughs> Alright, well, we are here coming up on the end of July, and we are actually recording a podcast on a movie that was released in the Christmas season. It was a barn burner, to say the least. It was released December the 22nd, 1972, and we are talking about Snowball Express, the movie before Kyra's favorite movie, which we will never cover, just to keep her... On uh, the air. Yeah. This movie did $6.1 million in revenue, which is about $42 million in today's budget. Not too bad. It's definitely not making what we're making because movies are back. I've been to three movies in the last two weeks. Nice. One of which was actually a Disney movie, Lightyear. Two thumbs up. Very good movie. But we'll get into that in about 15 years when it actually comes around on the podcast. So I take it, well, I had never seen this, so I'm figuring it's probably one of Kyra's favorite movies of all time. I'd never heard of it. (laughs) When you said Snowball Express, I thought you were joking. It's like, that sounds like a made-up movie. But no, it was a real movie that really happened. Yes, it really happened. And this concludes our review. Good night. (laughs) It it was a movie. There was snow. Yes. Um, there was a downhill express. There there were um, snowmobiles, I think. Yes. And bad skiing. Yes. Um, as hot as it's been, I was going to say in Oklahoma, but I think it's like everywhere. Like, it was nice to think about snow for the, like, hour and a half that this movie lasted. Yes. So it so it gives you a little reprieve because you're actually looking at snow, even though you know if it were to snow wherever you are in the world, unless you're in the southern hemisphere, in which case you're probably over the snow by now. Um, you look at it and it makes you feel 15 degrees cooler. Something which like that. For us, would make it about 90. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Alright, so the synopsis which comes to his care of Wikipedia goes a little something like John Baxter is at his corporate job when a probate attorney tells him that his recently deceased uncle, Jacob Barnesworth, has left him sole ownership of a lucrative Grand Imperial Hotel in the fictional town of Silver Hill, Colorado. Barnesworth claims that the hotel 
brings in more than $14,000 a month. Baxter views this as a golden opportunity and quits his job. He moves his family to Colorado to take proprietorship of the hotel. It is an immense but ramshackle building with no heat and a colorful old codger named Jesse McCord living in the shed. McCord offers his service as a bartender, but Baxter hires him as assigns him the job of bellhop. Local Grease Monkey Wally Perkins explains that the Grand Imperial sits on a huge amount of property. Baxter then realizes that he can turn the hotel into a ski resort. Baxter attempts to secure funds for his plan. Local manager Martin or local banker, excuse me, Martin Ridgeway expresses great interest in Baxter's idea, but also offers to buy the lodge, supposedly in order to convert it into a boys' school. Baxter declines, so Ridgeway declines to give Baxter a loan, citing him as a bad collateral risk and specifically pointing out that Baxter has no experience in hotel or restaurant management. Baxter then meets with a friendly banker named Mr. Wainwright at a ski lodge. <clears throat> Baxter claims to be an avid skier, and Wainwright takes him to a black diamond run called Nightmare Alley. Baxter ends up crashing into a tree. While he's recovering, Ridgeway gives him a check for $3,000. Baxter then starts making a list of repairs for the lodge. Meanwhile, Wally works with McCord to repair the hot water heater, which explodes, tearing a hole in the kitchen wall. Ridgeway's check covers the repairs, but leaves nothing for the ski lift Baxter has in mind. McCord pull, pulls an old donkey engine out of mothballs, tying a rope around it, and offers it as a makeshift ski lift. When Wally dynamites a tree stump from the ground, the explosion sets off an avalanche, blocking a passing train carrying several hundred skiers. The Baxters quickly shuttle the skiers to their resort. All goes well until Wally loses his balance and skis down a steep mountain, dangling on, over a ledge. Using the donkey engine and a rope to lower Baxter down the mountain to rescue Wally, McCord accidentally causes the donkey engine to slide down the mountain and plow through the hotel. All of the guests check out, leaving the Baxters out of money again. Baxter then goes to Ridgeway asking for an extension on his loan, which Ridgeway refuses. Baxter notices a sign for the Silver Hills snowmobile race with a $2,500 top prize. Baxter decides to drive in the race with McCord as, as his partner. Baxter's wife threatens to leave him over his carelessness and obsession. Though they clung close, Baxter and McCord nearly lose the race. Baxter brings, a, er, excuse me once again, Ridgeway brings a deed transfer papers to the lodge for Baxter to sign. After threatening to begin the foreclosure procedure, he offers to buy the resort from Baxter. Ridgeway's secretary, Miss Wigginton, tells everyone the truth. The property includes several hundred lands, several hundred acres of timberland originally donated to the local Indian tribes by Barnesworth for as long as the tribe inhabited the land. As the tribe has moved out or died away, the land reverted back to the estate. Ridgeway wanted to buy the resort in, or, in order to log the timber. McCord offer, adds that the land the town was built on was granted to Barnesworth on the condition that several buildings be erected, including the library. Baxter's son quickly notices that he has not seen a library and asks why the land has not reverted back to Baxter. Silver Hill is in violation of the grant, 
meaning that the whole town is built on land now owned by Baxter. Ridgeway agrees to loan Baxter the money necessary to repair and expand the resort. The end. Alright, what were your first impressions of this movie? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The very first thing I thought was um, we kind of got a cold open, which I don't know has happened before. It, I don't think it has. Instead of credits, we get a cold open, opening shot of beautiful New York City, and then it goes into his office. And I thought, this feels like a TV show. It felt like the beginning of a TV show. Um, so that was the very first thing I thought. And then as the movie went on, um, I don't know. I thought it was okay. It was entertaining enough, but I thought, this guy might be crazy. Which one? Which one of the guys might be crazy? Dean Jones, John Baxter. Well, getting into the movie itself, the first thing that that caught me was the name of the law firm that was representing Baxter's dead uncle, is it, or great uncle? Something like that, yeah. It was Voorhees, Buckner, and Voorhees. Jason Voorhees of Friday the 13th fame got his start as a lawyer. Explains a lot. Well... Well, I didn't know that because I don't watch scary movies, so um, it's news to me. You just listen to podcasts called Too Scary to Watch, right? Yes, that's a great show, by the way, for people who are big babies but <laughs> have FOMO over horror movies that they want to watch but are too scared. Too Scary didn't watch. Uh, They're not paying me to say that. It's just a podcast I found that I like. Anyways. So, yes, Jason Voorhees and either his mother or his father were running a law firm. Figure that one out. So this is in that same universe, I guess. Yes. Well, everything's connected. And pretty soon, Disney's probably going to acquire whoever is running the Jason movies. So Jason will be a princess pretty soon. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of princesses, I cannot believe that we didn't have a content warning on Dean Jones making a very sexist remark to the secretary. He told her that she had the greatest legs in this office, if not the whole 40th floor. Oh, I missed that. I rewound it just to make sure that I heard it right. I'm like, okay, this is a Disney movie and you're making that kind of comment. And you're married. Of course, well, it is. Well, um, there's another moment that caught me off guard when he's like, he's made the decision to um, he quit his job, which that scene was funny. The whole quitting the job scene. Yeah. Um, but then he goes home and tells his family what he's done. And um, the wife, like, okay, first of all, the the son is the kid from Biscuit Eater, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, it's that kid. And I think the mom played the mom in Biscuit Eater, too. Did she? I didn't catch that. Um, well, she sends, she tells the son to go to his room, and he's like, what's, that, what's sex got to do with it, or something like that? What's it got to do with sex? They, so, like, it, just uh, that being in a, like, Disney movie geared towards families, but the kids saying it, I mean, I guess for these, you know, like, 2022, it might make sense. For the early 70s, it really surprised me. <laughs> so, yeah, he quits his job and they move to, what was the actual name? of Silver Hill. Silver Hill. 
Colorado. Which, which was actually Crested Butte, Colorado. Filmed that- on location. The first, I think this is the first non um, wildlife adventure movie that was actually filmed on location. Well, it was beautiful. Yes, except for I mean, the house. Yeah, the house wasn't beautiful. The town was kind of, I don't know, just like a small little podunk town, but the scenery was pretty. Well, it had to have been podunk if you had Goober playing the gas station attendant. <laughs> True. So we we are greeted with not the first instance where Goober, George Lindsay, is actually in a movie. And it won't be the last one that we will be talking about during this possible recording, because Goober is one of your one of the characters in the possibly greatest animated movie ever made, which we will be talking about in about six to seven years. Um, uh, Goober. So, what's the actor's name? George Lindsay. And what is Goober from? He is from Andy Griffith. He made me think. Oh. Okay, like. I feel like I should know that, <laughs> but I didn't like grow up on Andy Griffith, I guess. So I'm just very vaguely aware. Like I, I recognize that this is something significant and I should know, but I just don't. Well, where I live right now, Andy Griffith is on every afternoon at five thirty on the CBS affiliate. So if you've got nothing better to do, you just turn on Andy Griffith and try to figure out how many times you've actually seen the episode. <laughs> so, yeah, we got we got him playing the gas station attendant. And my question is, where did they get the dog, and why do they name him Stoutheart? I think they brought him with them. Yes, they but I, I know they brought him, brought them, brought him with them. Say that three times fast. <laughs> but he... He was, I mean, he needs to have his own Disney. Why don't, why don't we have that movie instead of this? He was cute. Like, just how he's kind of a big baby. Yes. They probably have made that movie just with a different name. Mm -hmm. Stoutheart was an interesting name. Yeah, Stoutheart was definitely the, the, he stole the show whenever he was on the stage. Um, all right. So... They get up to Colorado, find out they've been swindled, and the wife starts figuring, well, we've got enough money to be able to get back. We'll just go ahead and sell this to the guy, only to find out that the lawyer had charged a $1,000 to transfer the title on a place that probably isn't worth $100 at the time that they transferred the title. Yeah, it's rough. Well, there's an exterior shot of the building that makes it look like it's actually pretty, but yeah, it's got its... It's got a lot of problems. It would definitely be what you would call a fixer-upper in today's world. Yes, majorly. So then we meet uh, yeah, Jesse McCord, who is caught sneaking into the, into the house because it's a cold, windy night, and he needs his last bottle of hooch that he had stored in the kitchen. This whole part was so strange to me, like... I couldn't figure out if he was homeless or if he was just um, like, oh, so-and-so said I could come here if I needed to, and he was just using it as storage. I was I was a little confused. And then they just kind of adopt him into the family, which I guess is nice. 
Yeah, his his backstory was definitely lacking, unless he was, I think he was friends with the previous owner, and so therefore he pretty much had a free room until Dean decides to start charging $10 a night for it. And he just kind of works for him. Yeah, as a, as a way to be able to keep a, keep a roof over him during the cold winter months of in um, Silver Spring. And then we meet the villain of the movie who says that he is only interested in the hotel to turn it into the Jacob Barnesworth home for boys. Which is obviously a big lie. What's his name? Mr. Ridgway? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Martin Um, Ridgway. Yeah. He's like, so John Baxter is like, Hey, this is on a lot of land. We could turn this into a ski resort. And yeah, they'd be sitting pretty if they did that. Um, And what was, Ridgeway's thing, like, he lies about wanting to turn it into a boy's home, but it's because he wants the timber. Is that right? Yeah, because the, in going ahead and spoiling the end of the movie, for those of you who have not watched it, if you have, pause it right here, come back in an hour and a half, and we'll be sitting waiting. The whole reason that he wanted the, the house was because of the, timber around it that had been deeded back to um, Barnesworth by the Indians when they up and left along with the entire city it sounds like. Yeah it seems like it's all like this entire plot is driven by like a legal technicality Yeah. and a will which I don't really understand. I don't either. That works. Um, I guess I'm of the age that I probably should figure it out soon <laughs> but um it just was like kind of jargon. Like I didn't, I didn't absorb it, but it was like, okay, he thinks that he owns it, but he doesn't, but he kind of does. Yeah. So after Ridgeway, I don't know why I can't remember the guy's name after Ridgeway basically turns him down for the, or he gives him like $3,000 for the, for the hotel. I don't know if that happens before or after Dean Jones somehow, survives a double black diamond as his first um, excursion into actual skiing over in the town that's next on a on a run called Nightmare Alley, which should have been your first indication that it's not going to be a bunny. So he goes down the hill, and this was one of the greatest choreographed ski runs that has ever been done, which is totally inconceivable. Because I'm no I'm no major skier. I've been skiing three times in my entire life. But I probably would have been butt over tea kettle the first time that I went over a bump. Yeah. Um. I was thinking this would be me on skis. Like it's so clumsy. But the thing is, he doesn't. I have no clue. Unless that's the whole point how he stayed upright more than the two times that he fell down on that entire ski run. It was inconceivable and impossible, but it made the guy want to invest in him in the, in his hotel. All right. So the ski run that is improbable, Uh, I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't see how he first off survived it. And second off, didn't come up with anything more than, what did he have, like a concussion? And 
Um, he had some kind of injury. Did he break his arm? I can't. I can't remember. All I know is the dad in those darn Callaways sustained more of an injury with his little fall than mm-hmm. than all the things that Dean went. Yeah, I don't know. It was funny. Um, let's see. I'm looking um, in another window, and it looks like he's got a bandage on his head. I guess he. I don't think his arm is in a sling. I thought he broke his arm, but um, yeah, like it was just like a super long slapstick green screen fiasco on skis and like it wasn't the best green screen work (laughs) even for the 70s you know like we could give some grace it was the 70s but um i just thought it doesn't have to be great it was just funny enough yeah that it made up for it so anyway somebody comes up with the money to start fixing the hotel whether it's ridgeway or whether whether it's the guy from over at mm. the next town over. Yeah, it's, Ridgeway gives him three thousand dollars, like as a personal loan, I think. Yeah, knowing or pretty much thinking, well, he's never going to be able to cover this, and I'll get everything, and we'll be done with this. Yeah, I think it's like, oh, we'll just do this, and yeah. you know, eventually he'll give up. So they start fixing things up, or they start going over the things that need to be fixed, and. There is a pretty much jack-of-all-trades that is w- working for free because there is a cute young girl that's the daughter. I wanted more from the daughter. She seemed funny. Well, I wanted more from the from the, um, from the helper because, and I'm not, and I'm not talking Jesse, I'm talking the young guy that pretty much, he was a ski instructor, he was mm-hmm. the, um, he was a person that you called when you wanted things fixed, although you ended up breaking everything. And the first indication of that was when you have a hot water heater that is steaming the way that that is. Mm-hmm. There is no way that you should be touching it or anywhere near it. Because every time that he touched it, another spike of steam would come out. And he would just grab onto it and start grabbing something else. And so they pretty much blow up the, the front of the kitchen. And there goes the rest of the money. So they don't have a... So they don't have the last little bit of money that they thought they were going to get for the for the ski lift, which they were thinking they were just going to have a rope run, which is a which is what you use on bunny slopes, I think. And so they somehow there is an avalanche. Now they get the hotel open. Yes, they they get they get the hotel open, and all excited. Yeah. And they're they're sitting there waiting for people to just start coming in, and nobody's coming in, and no com- nobody's coming in, and then suddenly there is a avalanche, which is another happy accident in this movie. I and I couldn't figure out if Jesse had actually intentionally set the avalanche, or if it was just a freak of nature that closed the the railroad down but pretty soon they're sitting with all kinds of people in the lobby trying to get a place yeah they're just like instantly busy which is i mean good for them but you see how stressed they are pretty quickly and so the next morning the i'm gonna get this was wally parkins was the was the guy that was doing everything he was up reading how to ski by w l short yeah 
I love that he's this ski instructor and he's like trying to figure it out on the fly. Yeah. So so he pretty much says, well, the best way to start skiing is just to go ahead and do it. And then that leads to a whole comedy of errors. And in the meantime, the way that they've got the the people going up the mountain is with a donkey pull, which I had never heard of, and all of the days of living on a on a farm. But I guess that's some kind of machine that can do the work of a donkey without having to have a donkey, I guess. I was, yeah, I I think I might have missed something because I was confused about that whole contraption and why they were using it. Okay, well, the reason why they were using it was because they didn't have the money to actually get the rope pulley going. So, Moreover's master from our last movie was he he looks up and sees the the pulley thing and he's like well let's go ahead and use that and they they all decide that's a great idea even though it's probably coming from a 10 year old right his name is richard i had to think about it when you were like moreover his owner like wait a minute we're crossing universes (laughs) yes and of course as the way that disney movies go one thing leads to another um, Wally ends up getting stranded out on a tree limb or out on a tree over a cliff and Johnny goes after him and he has them lower him down using the donkey pull and somehow a log drops out of the donkey pull and sets a piece of um, a piece of the tile on, on fire and so the next thing you know the whole machine is going through the entire beautifully restored hotel yeah that was like actually sad like oh man they made it into this beautiful thing mm-hmm. and the is that the point where the wife was like okay i'm out yeah she just leaves well no she she stuck around for a little bit longer because then johnny goes and tries to talk to ridgeway about getting a another loan to cover the loan and he's like, well, I don't, I don't want to throw good money after bad because you're already three thousand in the hole with me. So you got five days to come up with the money, or we're gonna foreclose on. Which I really don't think that's how banking works. You don't just automatically get a foreclosure notice the first time that you miss a payment. Yeah. But I mean, it's Disney, so. It's Disney, and they only have an hour and a half to tell the whole story, so he's on a tight deadline. <laughs> but while he's in the bank, he looks over and sees a beautiful snowmobile with a sign for the 173rd annual Silver Springs snow bu- snowmobile race or whatever the number was. Yeah. So, okay. And this is like, he gets this brilliant idea. Like, that's how we're going to get the money. Mm-hmm. That's when the that's wife when, is like, yeah. okay. You're insane. Bye. Um, the the whole like snowmobile race just was like more of that like kind of fish out of water slapstick type stuff. Mm-hmm. It actually made me think um, a little bit of the long car race in the Love Bug. <laughs> mm-hmm. It kind of had that vibe. Which I mean, it's Dean Jones. Mm-hmm. And that that was actually my next note is what is with Dean Jones and Disney movies with racing? Right. Because he did this, he did the Love Bug, and he did Blackbeard's Revenge or Blackbeard's Ghost, which had foot racing. But I mean, 
anything that had to do with racing, they just threw Dean Jones in after they had the popularity of the love bug. Right. Well, sadly, unlike in the love bug, Dean Jones' character loses the race badly. But that's only because he was riding the mighty mongrel, which was a cobbled together snowmobile made of, I think, two or three different snowmobiles that was pretty much being held together by bubblegum, bailing wire, and hopes, dreams, and wishes. I wonder if it, the outcome would have been different if he would have had um, Buddy Hackett. It's a good question. Welding it together while they raced down the hill. They might have. They might have come in first because they were in first until he lost both of his axles and was, was pretty much running it like the back end of the of Herbie. Yeah. I wonder, like, whenever we cross-reference these movies, like, I couldn't think of a guy's name, so I just said Buddy Hackett. Like, I hope that people pick up on these things. Like Tennessee. Have y'all been watching all the movies? Do you know what we're talking about? We, yeah, we, we, we've been on the air for a hundred plus episodes. At some point, I'm going to forget how to drive home because I've got all this useless <laughs> Disney trivia running around in my head. Like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up Buddy Hackett and Dean Jones and you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so they lose the race. Um, it's sad. He's like, oh, no, dejected. The wife comes back. But then it's like, it's looking pretty grim until they cut, like, they realize it all hinges on a technicality in the mm-hmm. will. Yeah, which, once again, they didn't want for Richard to talk until... Johnny was like, well, I've already told him two or three times to be quiet. Let's see what he has to say, because most of the time he's got a good idea, even if it ultimately goes wrong. And so he's like, I don't see a library in town, and I think, didn't you just say that you had to have a library for the town not to revert back to the original owner? And at that point, Ridgeway starts backpedaling, oh, well, maybe we can work something out, Maybe we, maybe we'll be fine, and they all live happily ever after at that point in time. Yeah, like, oh, he owns it all. It's all his. You can't take it away. And then they ski down the mountain very badly. Yes. And that's our happy ending. Yes. And it was a very nice, tidy bow on the end of the movie. Yeah, it was a nice, tight runtime. They didn't... There was, like, one scene, which actually was a snowmobile race, that I thought this could have been a little shorter. Well, but the rest of it, I actually never thought this is going on too long my question with the snowmobile race when they started announcing who was in the race you had five people on the front line and then you had johnny and jesse on the mongrel in the back of the race but then when everybody starts getting out onto the hillside it seemed like there was 50 people 50 bracers in this race where did all of them come from they they weren't at the starting line maybe some of them were boomers and some of them were sooners <laughs> good night everybody i'll be here all week try the veal tip your waitress <laughs> um i mean maybe some of them were hiding along the course and they were like all right i'm going now yeah it it did it, it i know you're supposed to just just shut off your belief when you sit down to a disney movie Unless, of course, we're talking Avengers, and of course, everything is... Yes. Well, it's funny that you noticed that, because I did not. (laughs) 
Yeah, and and I was like, um, wait a minute. There's 40 racers on the course. I thought there was only seven because Johnny was the late mid, late late entry into the race, and somehow he got on the second line of the race to go off. Or maybe I just missed the other 63 racers that were on the NASCAR circuit and just decided to miss it. Maybe. Um, I have one other note. In regards to the snowmobile race. And that was. How did Johnny get the snowmobile on the sled. To actually get it across the finish line. With the horse. Mm, I don't remember this part. If I'm being perfectly honest with you. It, it, it was it was a blink and you miss it. Because right as he crosses the finish line. His wife shows up. And says. Oh well we'll figure it out some way. Don't worry about it. We'll go back to New York. You'll get your job back. And you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it seemed like, didn't he kind of have it good in New York? It didn't seem like it was too bad. Well, I don't know. Maybe he really hated his job. I think it was a means to an end in New York. And then when he, especially when he heard, how much was the was it supposed to be making a month? $14,000? Yeah, that was like, I don't know. I, I, I think he should have maybe done a little more research before he just quit everything but yeah it was it was definitely a little hastily concluded but once again when you've only got an hour and a half to get everything you don't want to see him sitting pouring over the books of a hotel that obviously has been out of business for nine on 20 years yeah i mean if you guaranteed me fourteen thousand dollars a month for a business that's already running and i don't have to do that much i would probably Take it I'll be gone. I'll be gone tomorrow. All right. Well, do you have any other notes on the latest Dean mm-hmm. Jones adventure? I don't think so. I just, you know, there were some scenes. It seemed like maybe their clothes were a little thin to be in those temperatures they were in. But yeah. whatever. Well, they had their love to keep them warm. So. It's true. All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and transition into the three questions. The first question, what is today's impact on the movie? Would this be remade? Could this be remade? Oh, I think it could. Um, With some, obviously, like, technology updates, you would think that he would, like, Google it. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. If If he Googled it, then he would know that it's not in that great a shape, so... But not every hotel is on, has a website. All that they might have is a click here to reserve your, to reserve your room. Oh, yeah. Maybe if he, like, looked at Hotels.com and booked it and, and then he got there and, like, it wasn't what he was sold. Well, he wouldn't book it because he owns it, but yeah. you know what I mean. He'd look into it and, of course, they'd have good pictures and not run down, windows blown out, boards over the door. That kind of stuff. Bats in the yeah. bats in the wood bin. Yeah, I think, you know, with some updates for the times, they could remake this. Would it be a hit? I don't know. It'd probably be, the, like, kind of the same slapstick, cutesy family movie. It would be a good Disney Plus movie to, yeah. to sit down on a Friday night with your, with your kids or with a tub of popcorn and just mindlessly veg out for an hour and a half. Yeah, I'd watch a remake of it. I don't know if I would watch this again, but if they made a new one, I would. Yeah. All right. Second question. Is this mirrored in culture? I don't think so. Wouldn't, I 
since neither of us had heard about it. And honestly, to be truthful, when I saw Snowball Express, I thought they had mistyped the Polar Express. Because <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind whenever I see the word Express, is Polar that would Express. That a pretty big error. Yes. In Tom Hanks' dead eyes in the... Oh my gosh. The worst CGI ever. Actually, that would have to be Jim Carrey's um, Christmas Carol, which is a Disney movie. Yeah, I saw that in the theater when it came out, um, and I took my oldest daughter was like six or seven at the time. Oh my gosh, it scared me. <laughs> Beep. She, yeah, that. There's a reason we haven't watched that one again. We will be watching it in 13 years. Mm, I might have to take a rain check on that one. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll watch it. <laughs> hey, you've sat through those darn the. Those Calloways. Those darn Calloways. <laughs> Those darn Calloways. <laughs> and Million Dollar... Um, no, Happiest Millionaire. I'm like, that. the, the Millionaire Duck wasn't as bad as the, the, the worst three hour, which we will not discuss tonight. <laughs> They're all like kind of converging into one really terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> or would it be one really good movie? Because you take a piece of this one, piece of this one, throw oh, out all the singing... Oh. If you took Million Dollar Duck and Happiest Millionaire, oh, the Happiest Million Dollar Duck. Starring Daffy. <laughs> and Pepe the Large Strong. Well, this Snowball Express has gone off the rail. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let, well, let's go ahead and pull it back on and ask, how does this fit into today's society? Or does it? Um, I always struggle with this question because I'm like... I feel like I should have something smart to say, but like I don't think it does. I mean, it's it's a it's a movie that that you could sit down and watch. Is it going to be something that six months from now you're going to remember? Oh well, this is a Christmas movie. Let's put it on during that time. I think I have better Christmas movies to watch. Yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes, comes which, to we, mind. which we will get to in approximately ten years. <laughs> I mean this. I don't know. This doesn't really answer the question, but I mean, the ski scenes are fun, fun enough. I yeah. wouldn't watch the whole movie just for those. But if you're looking to be entertained, look it up on YouTube and watch the ski scene. And then after you're done with that, go and Google the happiest millionaire mom's fight. It might be like a good movie to have on in the background. Yeah. If you're if you're sitting down with a warm cup of hot toddy or something to make you forget about the movie as soon as you're yeah like it's a movie that you have on and you just kind of barely pay attention to while you're playing on your phone and drinking <laughs> your like holiday beverage of choice. Yeah, That's like, the best way to say it. Holiday beverage of choice. Yeah, whatever it whatever that means for you. Um, I mean, you know, like sometimes. I'll put on old movies and I don't really like with the intention of not paying attention to them just to have something somewhat familiar hmm. to have on while I'm doing something else. So I think it's that kind of movie. It's not something I would watch again and pay attention to. All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap this one up with the donkey pole, throw it in the river or in snowbank. Run it through the hotel. Yes. Run it through the hotel. And we will move on to happier time. Next week's movie. Pull up my list so I can make sure that I get this right. 
The anticipation is killing me. <laughs> yes, and, and, and we are going to leave all of this in. Let me see. Where is my... There it is. But say, what is the next movie, you Kyra? You, why are you asking me? You know what it is. Let me see. Whoa, where did we go? Just jumped over to the bottom. All right. The next movie on our list. And like I said, I'm leaving all of this in just because I know that Kyra is so excited about the next movie. I'm trying not to squeak. Which is Herbie Rides Again. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. Now, next week we will actually have a guest on. He is a children's book author. His name is Chris Reuter. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. We will know once we've spoken to him. And he, Kyra, and I will be talking about Kyra's favorite and possibly last movie, Robin Hood. It will not be my last, but it's definitely my favorite. So there's your homework assignment for next week. It will definitely be a better one than this movie. I can guarantee that. And so, as I say it every time, until we meet again, stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for any donkey pulls that are coming down the mountain. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Uh, let me get this stopped. I wondered if you were going to go with the donkey pool or, like, the water heater explosion. And oh, now we... Ian Jones as you're skiing down the mountain. <coughs> and now we've got our 